Today is the second Sunday in Advent, and the appointed gospel for today is taken from Luke, the 21st chapter, beginning with the 25th verse. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always, that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. Having only concluded the old church here two Sundays ago, the return to the theme of Christ's return in judgment may seem odd, according to our reasoning. But the events of Christ's return in glory are seen in a different light in this Advent season. When we were in the final three Sundays of the Trinity season, we remember the first we heard of the judgment which came to Jerusalem, and then that which comes upon the whole world on the last day. And then, on the last Sunday of the Trinity season, we heard of that hope which the Church has in that everlasting peace into which we hope to enter with all the Lord's saints when the Christ returns in glory at the end of the age. In the Advent season, we may speak of the same events, but with a different emphasis. For now, we think of the way in which the Lord comes to his people. Last Sunday, our thoughts were on Christ's first Advent when he came in humility, and we saw him in the light of Palm Sunday, when the king over all creation entered into Jerusalem riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. In the time of his humiliation, the Lord concealed his divine glory from the eyes of men. We heard in his first advent the Lord declare his holy word, and he performs, performed miracles to demonstrate the truth of his word. But the glory of the Lord was in the main concealed, save for the transfiguration, concerning which the three witnesses, Peter, James, and John, were forbidden to speak until the Christ had risen from the dead. Now in this second Sunday in Advent, our thoughts are on the return of the Christ in glory. His second Advent, if you will. In the first Advent, there was the testimony of St. John the Baptist. And concerning John, we will hear more in the coming Sundays. And as we were taught by the word last Sunday, the Lord's fulfillment of the promises which the word had given through the old, throughout the Old Testament concerning the coming Messiah demonstrated that Jesus is the Christ. His advent in humility was a precise fulfillment of that which had been promised to Israel from of old. Concerning the second advent, the word of God declares the entire created order will testify to the arrival of that day. For we read, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations, with perplexity. 
the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. It was to Israel that the signs concerning the coming of the Messiah were made known. The word of God declared all that the people needed to know concerning the Christ, who is David's son and David's Lord. The willful rejection of the Christ by so many in that generation is a lasting testimony to the hardness of their hearts. As Nicodemus confessed when he came to Jesus by night, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. But far more than a teacher, the words which Jesus proclaimed and the signs which he performed prove him to be the Messiah. In the second advent, all the world will behold the fulfillment of the signs, and they will be filled with distress and perplexity as they see that which will come to pass. The world essentially ignored the first advent. From the birth of the Christ in Bethlehem to his trial before Pontius Pilate, the Gentile nations largely ignored those things which had come to pass save when forced by the Jews to take notice. The second advent will terrify them when the time for repentance will have come to its end. It is in the time between the first and second advents when the nations are called to repent and believe in the Christ. Thus it was prophesied in Micah the fourth chapter, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and peoples shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And St. Paul lists many such passages in the words which may be read in today's appointed epistle reading from Romans, the 15th chapter. For much of the past 2,000 years, it became increasingly difficult to believe that the nations could be taken with such perplexity when the Lord returned. Throughout North Africa, the Middle East, spreading deep into Asia and throughout Europe, knowledge of the faith spread throughout the known world. Then the New World was opened in the days of the Renaissance and Reformation, and the word of the Lord was spread throughout the Americas. But the growing darkness of the papacy and the horrific persecutions enacted by the Mohammedans afflicted the church. Many nations which once confessed Christ fell away. And the pestilence of rationalism and consumerism, which now afflict much of what was once the Christian world, distracts the faithful and corrupts the teachings and practices of the church. Thus many Christians in this holy season often seem far more concerned with the secular trappings associated with Christmas than they are with the actual observance of the season of Advent and the right celebration of Christ of Christmas. The banal noise of Christless Christian or Christmas music, and the wave of secular parties and gift-giving and the worship of the family all distract and obscure the time of spiritual preparation, which is the living heart of Advent, as the Church prepares to once again celebrate the birth of the Son of God and the cacophony of the babbling of the false religions and false teachers threatens to drown out the sound of the pure gospel. 
The babbling cacophony of the nations as they chase after their false gods stands in marked contrast to the faithful church. Thus St. Paul wrote to the Romans in the 15th chapter, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The patience which comes from God, born of the wisdom imparted through the Word of God, by the working of the Holy Spirit, keeps the true Church united in a common doctrine, in our minds, and confessed with our lips. It is thus that we have a common liturgy, that the Church might all speak together as one. Being of one mind and one mouth, as we glorify the Lord, is something which the Lord himself establishes in his church. And any deviation from that one common doctrine is something born of sin. To teach another doctrine, to believe something other than the pure truth taught in the word, is to turn aside, at least in part, from that hope which is conveyed to us in the very word of God. Jesus declared, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. It is interesting that men are so concerned with discerning what precisely Jesus meant when he said this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place, while they ignore the words which follow. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. How shall we understand the words, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place? Consider the words of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. For there we read, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but, now, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. The generation is the church, those who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, teaches us that the New Testament church, in this church the believing Jews, were added to the converted Gentiles to make a new people, who are the chosen generation, which will by no means pass away till all things take place. Remember that St. Paul clearly teaches but it, will, but it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children, because they are, are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as the seed. With the destruction of the temple, all Israel that is, those of the faith of Abraham, not merely children of the flesh, had been gathered into the chosen generation. The promised generation is the church, which will endure to the end of the world. Those who would be saved among the children of Abraham, according to the flesh, must be converted to the one holy apostolic faith. There is no salvation outside Christianity, and those who would look to any imaginary restoration of the temple at Jerusalem or some salvation for the Jews apart from or outside of the church, are in grave danger of departing from the faith. The Lord promises that his church will not pass away, 
Even the gates of Hades will not prevail against her. We who have been gathered from the nations have been given faith in Christ Jesus, who died for our sins and who rose again from the grave. This faith is created and sustained by the Holy Spirit through the means of grace. That we are saved is because we are counted worthy for the sake of Christ Jesus. His righteousness is credited to us by grace through faith. This is why the signs of the second advent are such a source of joy to the church. Thus Jesus declares to us, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. The nations will be terrified because they do not know the Christ. We know him as he has made himself known to us in the word and sacraments. And we join our voice in the enduring confession of the church, confessing that which we believe, teach, and confess from holy writ. For the Lord who has redeemed us has made himself known to us, and in him we have our living hope. The words of the epistle reading speak of the hope which is ours because of what Christ Jesus has accomplished for us. For there we read, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thus we have hope and joy and peace through this faith in Christ Jesus, a hope which will not disappoint. For all who repent of their sins and believe on the Christ have this living hope by the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Amen. Let us pray. Stir up our hearts, O Lord, to make ready the way of thine only begotten Son, so that by his coming we may be enabled to serve thee with pure minds. For the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with the Father and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to join them today for the 10 a.m. worship service. Sunday school falls immediately after the divine service. We also have midweek services during the Advent season at both 11 a.m. and 7 p.m., with a Matins at 11 a.m. and a Vespers at 7 p.m., and we invite you to join us for those services as well. Salem is located approximately two miles north of Malone, off of FM 308. For more information on Salem Lutheran Church or these broadcasts, you may visit us on the internet at www.salemlutheranchurch.net. And these broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone.